Welcome everyone to the Healing Place Podcast. I am your host, Terry Welbrock. Excited to have you here with us, listening in, and also excited to have another wonderful guest. I will be doing some introductions in just a moment, but just wanted to welcome you here first to this space filled with motivation and inspiration and healing stories. All right, welcome everybody. I am super thrilled to have with me today Courtney Edmondson, and she is here to talk about her journey and all that she is doing in the world of trauma. So welcome, Courtney. Thank you so much for having me, Terry. I'm really, really excited. I just, I love what you're doing and how you're using your platform to give others a platform. I just totally am an advocate for that and believe in it, and I'm so thankful for the opportunity. So thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you. So I was looking at your website and, um, you know, checking out your story, and I love um, so the Thursday Thrive, talk to me about that. What is that? Yeah, so um, Thursday Thrive was kind of birthed because I, you know, felt so much freedom whenever someone shared their story with me for the first time of, of childhood trauma. I felt safe enough to share mine. And so I realized that every time I met with someone for coffee and shared uh, my story, that they were getting that same liberation and that, and that same safe space where they could, you know, talk about what they've been through. And um, I realized how valuable those stories were, so I decided to do this project, and it was a year-long project, and I just um, did this video series, actually, um, sharing people's stories of overcoming adversity, so I would interview them and just, you know, listen to their stories and give them a platform to share it. and. It has been so incredible to watch it just really uh, resonate with people and, you know, the messages and um, the follow-up that I get from people, not just uh, the listeners or, or the people that are watching, but also the people who share their story because, you know, it's so interesting when people share their story for the first time, um, especially online or, you know, somewhere where it's like, just out there and there's no turning back. I mean, there's so much fear with that because most of us have been hiding it for so long. I know that was my story. And um, so it's just been amazing to walk with people on that journey of really owning their story instead of letting their story own them. And uh, also like, you know, hearing just the stories of people who were like, finally, you know, someone else who um, can relate to what I've been through, and I totally understand that as well. So it was a great, great project, and um, anyone who's interested, shameless plug here, you can check it out on my <laughs> website, which is CourtneyEdmondson.com, and um, under the Stories tab, and there's several, several stories on there that are just incredible. So Yeah, well, I again, I, I saw it, and I was like, oh, I need to submit my story. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I just, I mean, I... Again, I think there's just so much power in connection, and one of the reasons, um, you know, I know we connected through ACES Connection, and yeah. being on that community has just been um, very empowering because there, there is just so much comfort in knowing, oh my gosh, somebody gets it. Yes. And yeah, I know that feeling all too well. Yeah. So, do you do you want to share your personal story and you know? Sure. How, that would be wonderful. Yeah. Well, Thank I'll you. give a I'll give kind of a high level version. Okay. Of some sort. Um. So, um. 
Yeah, I grew up in uh, Huntsville, Alabama. Well, I was born there, and um, when I was four years old, my first memory is of the day that my house got raided and my mom and stepdad were arrested. Um, they actually weren't at the house. I don't. I didn't actually see them get arrested, but uh, I was at the house when all of the FBI agents and police officers showed up to kind of rummage through everything in our house. And it was an overwhelming and odd and scary moment, honestly, sure. because all sure. these strangers were just, you know, taking over our house and not paying any attention to us. And uh, then my dad showed up, and it was really exciting for me to see him because he actually lived two hours away at the time in Nashville, Tennessee. And um, when he got there, I just like ran into his arms and was super excited, but he was not excited. He was very concerned and he just kept asking where my mom kept her money. And yeah. I thought, what a weird question, right? Yeah. And I had no idea, but my brother did know. And so he actually took um, my dad and some of the police officers into my mom's bedroom where she had gotten him lunch money earlier that week. And he pointed to the top of their bed where there was this, huge canopy bed and it had this shelf on top and a police officer got up there and they found bags and bags and bags of money and everybody was super relieved but none of us really understood what was going on until we got in the car on the way to Nashville and my dad was trying to pry some information out of us to see what we knew and um, he started talking to my brother my, my brother just kind of broke down and said this has been the worst day ever mom's in jail and that's all I needed to hear to just scream mom's in jail and, and oh, weep. Right. Um, but I woke up in Nashville and my life would never be the same. So come to find out, my mom and stepdad had committed a series of bank robberies in Huntsville. And fortunately, it was the days before social media. So when we got to Nashville, nobody knew that right, story. Right, right. And, you know, it's fortunate, but it's also unfortunate because I felt like this pressure because of the shame to keep it a secret for the rest of my life. And I did um, for the majority of my life until I was about 26. But before I jump ahead there, I... Um, I moved in with my dad and very soon after, I think my dad was a little overwhelmed because he did what probably most people would do and he married the um, the woman that he was dating at the time who had two kids of her own and she was actually um, newly divorced herself so I think she was kind of carrying quite a bit of pain and I became a very easy target for that pain because I was the only girl and the youngest. And, um, you know, I grew up in a house filled with, honestly, some really high moments with birthday parties and, you know, having sleepovers and things like that. But they were usually followed by pretty um, intense moments of rage and, you know, domestic violence and a lot of verbal mental abuse and neglect. Right. And... You know, the problem is it was just so unpredictable. I never knew what I was coming home to, and it felt like I was walking on eggshells all the time. Um, you know, the weirdest thing is that my stepmom was um, 
probably the most um, likable person in public. And all my friends thought she was just the greatest thing. And behind closed doors, I mean, she was a completely different person. And, you know, the fights between her and my dad, um, she would, she wanted me to know that they were my fault. And she would tell me that. Um, even if it, it was an argument or if it was a full-blown fight. And even if it had nothing to do with me, she convinced me constantly that it was my fault. Oh. And it just caused so much shame and um, so much confusion in, in you know, the, the mind of a kid. You just don't understand. And I can remember um, her being just, so mean to me and then saying what are you going to do like mocking me and saying are you going to have your dad come save you now like he always does you just you know like comments that just were so confusing to me because of course that's what I wanted my dad to do um sure so it was a pretty intense childhood uh until I was um, a freshman in high school and I came home one day and she was literally cleaning out the house, like everything. And I called my dad and I was like, "Uh, dad, she's taking everything. Like there's nothing left in the house. And he was like, is there still carpet on the floor? And I was like, yeah. He's like, okay, I think we're going to be all right. So, um, you know, I thought that moment would be the best moment of my life. And in a lot of ways it was, it was, but, um, I also thought that her leaving would mean that my dad would be around more, but that just wasn't the case. I think he was, for years, had been so checked out and just poured himself into his business because he dreaded coming home like all of us did. Uh, so um, when she wasn't around anymore, it was literally just me. And as peaceful as that was, it was also oh, very you know, isolating. torture and very sure. isolating and very lonely. Yeah. So, um, you know, and then this, I guess the straw that broke the camel's back really was one day I came home and my house was for sale. The house that I, at this point, when I was 16, had been living in by myself for, you know, I don't even know how long, months, years. Um, It felt like decades, quite honestly. Um, But it was for sale. And I called my dad and I said, um, like thinking he was going to be surprised. Dad, there's a first cell phone in the in the front yard. What's going on? And he was like, "Yeah, you need to be out by the end of the month. Um, we're trying to finalize the divorce, and um, you know, we need to sell the house." And I was just like, "Okay, well, where am I supposed to go?" And he was like, "Well, can't you just move in with a friend?" Oh my goodness! And I think that that was the moment that I just, you know, it's hard as it was and as much as I grieved that moment it was the moment when I realized like no one's gonna save you (sighs) like not a single person is going to come save you so if you want your life to look any different you're gonna have to save yourself like you are gonna have to figure this out if you don't want to live in these generational cycles you've got to do something different you know right so for me it was actually a very awakening moment um and a very empowering moment even though it was one of the hardest moments in my life right so that's kind of um 
the childhood in a nutshell. <laughs> wow. Well, one, I am so sorry that you had to experience all of that. Um, and two, wow, what resilience and, and yeah. Um, one of the things that I, like my, on my website that I talk about is becoming your own hero. And you did, like you did that. Yeah. You became your own, you know, superhero. Um, which I think Absolutely. a lot of a lot of trauma warriors, a lot of trauma survivors do. Um, yeah, we, we I see it all the time, and I think um, for me, I call that day the day that I chose to survive. And um, you know, I think one of my coping mechanisms that served me really well whenever I was growing up is that I was um, very much. Um, excited about and um, empowered through school and so I love to learn and I, I love the attention I got from you know being a perfectionist at school and making good yes. grades and you know being the captain of the step team and being the news anchor of my high school and um, I was just, just I was caught up in overachieving ways you know but it served me really well in high school and in college and you know helped me to get you know, my career started in public accounting um, and ended up being a good thing. But I think that so many people, they get stuck in survival mode, which is what that was for me. And yes, I chose to survive and I, my life looked, you know, what most people would call resilient. I was still hurting so much because I hadn't processed right. any of the pain. I was running from it. I was just chasing the next goal. And, um, you know, all of that changed in an instant when uh, practically a stranger, a guy that I had just met and I went to dinner and he shared his childhood trauma story with me for the first time. And that was the first time that anyone had ever been so vulnerable, I think, with me um, and made me feel safe enough to open up about mine because everything that I just shared, I hadn't told anybody until I was 26 at dinner with a stranger. Right, I was 32, so I get it, right. Yeah. 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 Isn't that insane? Like it is. in hindsight, yeah. it's like, how, how did I do that for so long? Right, and like you said before, there's just a shame connected to it. I, I mean, I remember carrying a guilt with me, um, like, I don't know, parts of me were like, you know, was I somehow to blame for some of this? And yeah. 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 yeah and it's just like some, it, you know, we just trick ourselves into thinking, you know, if we just forget about it, then we'll be fine. Right. But it's actually the exact opposite. Until you process the pain, it continues to haunt you. Well, and it continues to hold you back. And, and the key is to transform it, to really process it and transform it yes. into something else. My, my, uh, because if you don't if you don't transform the pain, then you just transfer it to others. Exactly. My my which is mom. Why the A cycle exists, right? Right. <laughs> exactly. My mom is um, she's eighty two years old, and so last year she just just started processing her trauma, and um, you know she's been a severe alcoholic my whole life, but she's finally not drinking and coming to terms with mm -hmm. everything. But, you know, which is always, now I tell people, you know, it's never too late because never. she finally, you know, I finally was said to her, mom, you know, you have to go back into the darkness in order to get to the light because oh, you, um, you know, she just kept saying, and I think it, again, that's a generational thing. 
you know, just it's in the past and just forget about it. And when I finally started explaining to her like the, all these studies coming out about the brain and the impact of trauma and how it affects us on a molecular level and saying, you can't just forget about it. Your body's remembering, your soul yeah. is remembering, your spirit's remembering. There's, it, it's a mind, body, soul thing. You can't just say, you know, it's in the past, forget about it. And so I think she really started to wrap her head around that. And um, yeah, in what you just said was beautiful and perfect. If, if you don't process it, it comes out in other ways. With me, it was panic attacks, Absolutely. you know, but it yeah. finds a way to, to try to come out. Yeah. Well, and for me, it was actually insomnia. So the year before I met the guy and shared my story for the first time, I suffered with severe insomnia where I was only sleeping about six hours a week. Oh, my and goodness. Yeah, it was insane. And I was trying to work this super competitive public accounting job at the time. And so all the doctors were like, oh, you're stressed from work. And, you know, you just need to change your job. And, and honestly, a lot of that's probably true. But um, what was crazy is... I, you know, I shared my story that night, and I slept like a baby, and I've never looked back. Like, I have never had the sleeping problems again since I shared my story. It was like I just needed to get it off my chest. Yeah, just release it. Yeah. That's how powerful sharing your truth is. Yes. Yeah. And I love that, because I say the same thing. Like, yeah, set your truth free. Totally. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing what can happen when that happens. So so who's your target audience? I mean, who do you, if you could reach as many people in the world with your message and your story and your mission, um, who, do you, who do you want it to be? You know, if I could, like, make it happen, it would be the adult survivors who have yet to acknowledge that they actually experienced childhood trauma because there's that's literally like 60% of people. I mean, it is so many of us who don't, like for me, everything I just told you, I didn't consider that trauma, which is insane, right? Like it's because it's your normal story. It's like all you know is your normal. And um, I mean, it was far from normal, but I just didn't know that. And I think there's just so many people out there who are hurting as adults. And I think right now, especially in, what I'm seeing in the AIDS movement, I see like there's a ton of support, not enough support. There will never be enough support, but there's a lot of support and focus around kids with ACEs. But my whole belief is that you can't prevent ACEs or child abuse or neglect or family dysfunction until you heal the adults who are hurting and, um, you know, perpetrating the abuse, the neglect, the dysfunction. Right. So for me, it's like I don't see as many resources for the adults, and that is who I want to just wrap my arms around and say, you can do this, and just empower and inspire, you know, to um, share their truth and own their story instead of letting it own them. Right. Yeah. And in, in, in processing, I mean, it's amazing how healing that can be. How yeah. I think back to... You know, when I was married and in a very volatile relationship, um, he and I are very good friends now and actually run a business together. But at the time, you know, our marriage was just, I had no idea that trauma, my past was causing so many issues for me. And yes. so our, our relationship was so volatile. And so our children, you know, the, our two, my two oldest boys grew up in this household where there was yelling and screaming and just, yeah. it was just, it just was not a healthy place for them to be. 
and now I'm in a you know a different space in a different home with a different partner and it's so peaceful and so we, there's we never yell we never scream we never fight there's nothing mm. and and we have a child that's just just the calmest happiest and it, it, it amazes me because I can see the impact of the difference um, you know in, a ch in how this child was raised versus Absolutely. You know, the other, yeah. the other, my my two oldest boys, who you know, we have worked through a lot of that. Um, but I know that that had an impact on them um, mm -hmm. as well. So yeah. Yeah, and I think you know that's the thing is like I said, you know, you don't know that the yelling and screaming and all that isn't normal if you grew up in it. Right. Like you, you just assume that's normal and that there's no other way around it right. until you start your own healing journey and recognize. You know that those are not good habits and behaviors like they're right. not healthy right. and you don't have to make them you know and um i think that's the key is just that awareness like people just need to be aware that they have the power to change it and you know i just see so much hope in that yes i agree with you i had someone on another podcast interview last week that said um something along the lines of um you know once you once it comes into your awareness once you become aware of something there's there's just no turning back you Absolutely. can't un you can't unknow it <laughs> and you know once you become aware of the impact of trauma and um you just it's amazing again how it it just shifts uh, you yeah know. i mean change your perspective change your life right like right? it completely changes everything when people find out especially after like about aces and truly understand it you know i mean for me uh i spent you know the last decade of my life in the corporate world and i i love to watch how aces have changed my perspective there because for instance i was in a uh, meeting the other day with some you know executives and I think one of the guys got triggered by something. I think he felt kind of threatened by someone else, and he got very big and very angry and very aggressive in this meeting, and it shut the productivity of the entire meeting down instantly. And, you know, nobody knew how to react or what to say. And when we left the meeting, everybody, you know, not everybody, but a couple of the guys I was walking back um, or out of the office with and, they were just saying, oh, my goodness, I hate having meetings with him because he's just so aggressive and he's, you know, we can't ever get anything done with him. And I just was sitting there thinking, you know, as they were thinking that, I'm sitting there going, well, I wonder what happened to him. I wonder what right. his kids are like. I wonder what, you know, his his spouse is like. I wonder what his childhood was like. I got, I'm over there processing all these things like it's not him. It's just an outward expression of unresolved pain. Yes. Like, yeah. And it, and it's just like his, his habit to react when, you know, he doesn't know that there are other options. And he also probably is not self-aware enough to recognize that he is, you know, causing everybody else to feel the way that they're feeling. Right. Um, right. And because and, and I can say all this because I used to be that person. Like I was the person who way overreacted in meetings and you know way over uh, shared and tried to just make sure everybody was on my page and you know felt threatened by anything and everything and was 
all about conflict and not in a healthy way. And it's just amazing how everything has shifted for me because I recognize that, like, your energy affects the people around you. And, you know, your reactions have a, a, a effect on other people. Um, and I think a lot of that came from learning about, you know, ACEs and why I act the way I act. Right, right. So very true. So are there, are there any myths or facts that, that you want to clarify regarding, um, you know, ACEs and or the adult, um, you know, responses for someone with, yeah. with history? Um, so one we kind of already addressed, and that's the whole idea that I believe you can't prevent ACEs until you heal the adults who are hurting. Um, and... You know, but the second one that I think is so important, and a lot of people will disagree with me on this, I think, but I am a huge advocate for sharing the ACE assessment. Um, I see so much fear around providing the assessment because people are so afraid that it's going to trigger someone. But the thing is, is that people are triggered every single day oh. and they have no idea why. Gosh, yes. And the ACE assessment is literally the answer. Right. And so it it not only does it give them the answer as to why, you know, they're being triggered in the first place, but it also, like, it, it opens the floodgate for information for them, you know? Yes. And I feel like it's kind of like we are making the choice to deprive someone else of their healing when we are like, oh, I can't share ACEs with them or um, you know, share the assessment with them because they might get triggered. And I'm just, I don't know, I'm like, you guys, this is like paralyzing the movement. Right. It keeps us from making progress and healing. And I do understand the feeling that, like, they're not prepared to talk about it because we're not clinical professionals. But um, I have to always stand on my truth, and my truth is that it was someone else's courage to speak up at the risk of making me uncomfortable and possibly triggering me, that changed my life forever. And I want to make sure that I do that for other people. Right. You know, I think that ACEs has just given me so much freedom and so many answers in my life. And I can't imagine how many people are missing out on a healing journey or on, on taking their healing journey to a whole other level right. by not getting this information in their hands. I could not know? agree. I could not agree more because, you know, when I give, well, you saw my the, my first speech, but I, I put my stuff out there. And, yes, could audience members be uh, triggered by my, by my truths? Of course, absolutely. Um, but I think in sharing my ACEs and my journey, um, you know, I also, but I, it's also about then empowering them because people connect to the stories. People connect to what, what we had talked about, um, you know, that you don't feel so isolated and you don't feel so all alone. So it's almost like, do you, is it no trigger or leave them feeling isolated? You, yeah. You know, and then you have, it, and so I would rather, like you said, yes, I can, but I have a choice then. If you give them a choice, like, I chose, we just had that massive shooting a couple weeks ago in Cincinnati, which was so sad, and I live in Cincinnati, mm -hmm. and I chose not to get on Facebook for two days, because I yeah. knew from my 
my history with um, you know the bank robberies and the murder that um, I I would be triggered by whatever all of the influx that was going to hit Facebook yeah. in this area because you know we all live in Cincinnati um, but yeah I mean that was then a choice for me to not do that however I eventually chose to go and look at information without photos and read about it because again there was just that I, I needed that connection I needed it um, and I think people do they I think they just they have to have that that connection with the stories and the truths absolutely and you know what you are doing such a fantastic job of getting those truths out there. I'm so just well, grateful for you and what you're doing. It's just incredible. I mean, it really is. Well, thank you so much. So well, you, you as well. And I, I love it. Um, I mean, I love, um, like, one of your pictures on your website is you standing before, like, a student section. Are you speaking to high schoolers? Was that? That was the coolest moment of my life. Can I tell you this? Sure, okay. yeah. I, I love that picture. Uh, it spoke to me. I have yeah, I have shared, I, I speak uh, quite a bit now, and I, I'm so honored every single time to get invited to share my story, um, but this particular time, I got invited back to my high school Aww. to share my story, and I can tell you, I don't care if, for the rest of my life, if I pack out the biggest arena, like, it will not even <laughs> possibly surmount to the feeling that I felt when I walked into a place when I, where I once was so broken and so lost. Oh. To come back completely healed, healed, whole, and, you know, redeemed. Yes. And to be able to pour into these kids who are very likely in similar situations as I was, like, it was, I don't know if you are, um, where you at it or where you're at in your faith journey or your faith walk or whatever but for me i'm a christian and there's this bible verse that's uh, genesis 50 20 and it says you intended harm against me but god intended it for good and i just wanted to scream that in that yes. in that uh, gym because i was thinking like all of this was meant to harm me but look at me now using oh, it oh you gave me goosebumps i love it and yes i well i grew up catholic i still am catholic but yes i very much uh, faith is a very important part of my healing journey, um, so that's really cool. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, so that moment was just incredible, and I love speaking to high schools um, because I think youth, man, like they're they're going through the thick of it, you know. Yes. And and, and they're definitely not talking about it most of them. So I have so enjoyed being the person who um, you know it, it's really like the first person that they feel like they could ever relate to in some of the situations that they're going through and I just you know I don't take it lightly I truly believe that I am so honored to be able to be invited to those spaces to share yeah that's really really cool um I we have a therapy dog Sammy um and she and I went through we're registered therapy dog team with pet partners and I love when we get go to go to the high schools um, mm. and visit with the kids. Um, it I don't know, just there's just a connection there, and um, Sammy's Sammy's so wonderful because, you know, therapy animal. Um, there's just something so comforting about her. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's really cool. Um, so what support and resources have you used, if any, along your journey? Oh, yeah. Well, there's too many to name, right? But right. <laughs> um, I do want to share, obviously, my top books. I'm sure that's everyone in their 
you know, whoever has been on here, if they're talking about ACEs or topic trauma or any of that, they're probably going to mention some of these. But the childhood disrupted, uh, the body keeps the score. Um, I'm going to say that this is a resource that I absolutely love and has brought me so much healing. It's free, and a lot of people don't know about it, but it's the Survivor, the Thriver Manual that is on the Adult Survivors of Child Abuse website. It is an awesome, awesome, awesome resource, and I highly recommend it to anybody. And like I said, it's free, so um, check that out. And Survivor then, the Thriver, is that what it was? Survivor the Thriver. That's very cool, okay. Yeah, and it's a free resource, and honestly, like, I could not put it down. And I got it, they have it free on the website, but you can also order one and print if you want one. And, you know, I had to do that, because I just couldn't right. get it down. I was like, well, I want this thing so I can mark it up and all that. But you can actually, you can print it yourself, too, if you wanted to. But I just, like, purchased the little print option, because they bind it for you. And, I don't know, it's incredible. I think everyone should have it. Well, um, I'm going to have to go, I'm going to have to go get it then. You have to. You have yeah. to. Like I said, it's free, so why not? Yeah. Um, and then the other one I'll say is this book that is, is actually not a very popular book. I, I don't know anybody else that has heard of it, but there's a book called God Distorted by John Bishop. And if you are, um, like I said, I don't know if the listeners, like if, if where you're at in your, in your walk, but um, as far as faith is concerned, this book blew my mind because what it did is it helped um, me to see um, how my view of God or a higher authority has been skewed because of my relationship with my earthly father. And basically what it does is it, it kind of goes through these different, um, I'll call them dad types, but like if your dad is the uh, workaholic, like what does that make you feel? And um, how does that change your view and perception of God as God the Father? And, you know, this book was just incredible for me. And so I highly, highly, highly recommend it um, to anyone who might be interested in that. So those are some of my favorite resources. Wonderful. Well, thank you. Yeah, I had not heard of that one either. So I will definitely put that on my list. I'm a big, huge fan of... Um, yeah, like a band. I just told someone yesterday they were asking about books, and I said, um, I think it's called From Abandonment to Healing. That was a really yeah. powerful one. Obviously, the you know, the body keeps the score. Um, yeah, so wonderful. Um, so, my question that I love to throw at everybody, just because it's such a fun one if you could meet anyone in the world, dead or alive, to help you along your journey, who would it be? You know, dead or alive makes that really hard. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> or you can even do one dead, one alive, whatever you want. Oh my gosh! Well, you know, I would love. I I am a huge fangirl of Nadine Burke Harris. I just think she's amazing and has done so much in the world of aces, and I would love to meet her. Um, so that would be my alive one and dead. Uh, like. Man, that is so hard. Um, <laughs> That's why I love this question because people are always like, "Oh my God, this is so amazing!" Like, really, who would I pick? <laughs> seriously, I think you know it would probably be Martin Luther King for me. Okay, very cool. I've had that yeah. answer before. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I, I just think that man, he represented so much, and I. Oh, just to be in his presence would be amazing. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, what's his what's his famous quote? I mean, the one that I just love so much. I think I've put it in my book. As a matter of fact, I think it was one of my quotes I used was, um, you know, you can't drive out. And I know I'm not quoting it word for word, but hatred with hate. You know, you can yeah. only do that with love, love, and you can't drive out darkness with darkness, um, only with light. So, which so applies yeah. to like our trauma our trauma journeys so absolutely yeah yeah very cool yeah all right final question uh what is your dream job and are you doing it um my dream job is speaking i believe that i was telling this earth to do that and i am doing it in some capacity i can't wait till it gets to a point where that's what i'm doing full-time and I just get to focus on that. I would love to walk away from accounting forever, even though it has served me so well and it's been a great gift. Um, but yeah, just getting to share my story, I, um, you know, I just know it is such a gift and I believe that the story that I have was given to me to use it and to help other people through what, you know, their journeys look like. And so, yeah, I know that, um, that's what I put, and put on this earth to do. So it's not completely all the way there yet, but it's picking up. Honestly. Yeah, and I love it. I'm pretty excited in the direction that it's going. So I love when I when other people talk about their their traumas and the heartaches as gifts. That because that because I certainly do the same thing. In that you know I made it through and I survived all that I went through, um, but to use it to help others heal and to help others find their way through that mm -hmm. darkness. So, I mean... It's I, just like in that moment you realize that the pain is not in vain. You right. know? Yeah. It's like it's serving a purpose and uh, how amazing is that? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, kudos to you and I applaud you and thank you. You know, it's just beautiful what you're doing. So, um, how can people get a hold of you? So my website is probably the best way, and it's CourtneyEdmondson.com. It's uh, spelled differently, so you gotta be on the lookout for that. There's no U in Courtney, and there's actually two D's in Edmondson, so CourtneyEdmondson.com. Um, and I would love to hear from anybody. There's a little uh, portal on there where you can shoot me a message, and I would love to, to get it and respond. and help people in any way that I can so well, that's wonderful awesome well anything else that you want to talk about or share with with the audience I don't think so we covered a lot we did I know <laughs> we covered a lot I, I'm just so grateful for this opportunity and I'm thankful for everyone who listened and I just want to say you know the world is is all of our oysters and so we just got to make the most of it yes Absolutely. Amen and hallelujah. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you so much, Terry. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Everybody, thank you for listening in. And until next time, be gentle with yourselves. Bye-bye.